0: y'all mm. <sighs> thank you lord let us uh let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're good. Your name is wonderful. We're grateful for who you are what you do. We give you praise. We honor you, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight as we look at things concerning what you're wanting to do and doing in the earth today, that our hearts will be open and alive to your word. Lord, we yield ourselves to your word that you'll build us up. In the things of your spirit and the things of your kingdom and of your house and we thank you father for the privilege to be a part of what you're doing in the earth today and we thank you for the increase of our participation our and our part in our hearts of the things that you are doing in the earth today we thank you Lord we lean into you into your heart, and we pray that you'll speak to us, Lord. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for you, Father. I pray for every person here. With any kind of um, pain or discomfort, any kind of dread over cold snowy day tomorrow, build put us in a blanket of your love, Lord, and keep us from. The things that happen to people when it gets cold and snowy and weird outside. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I saw this morning about, I don't know, (coughs) 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, why people are saying it needs to get really cold. I turned the light on to let the dogs out, and mosquitoes were flying around my outside light. I thought, what planet am I on? <laughs> There's mosquitoes flying around. My light out of here. So anyway, I want to talk to you tonight about the latter day prophecies, uh, prophecy of the latter day, and uh, what what that that means. You know that there was a point in time where <coughs> people developed. Uh, Actually, it was like in the 1800s, the revelation came to the Scottish girl about the rapture. And she taught it to a person, and then they taught it to another person, and then Schofield became a champion of it, and then they made all these charts and everything. But that was never heard of until the 1800s. Really. And... (laughs) 1800s, mid eighteen hundreds, mid eighteen hundreds, it was not uh, not a part of church life, and so all the and it's not a part of church life for a lot of people now. Still, everybody didn't g- grasp hold of that, and so uh, Randy Clark talks about it, and he said it's so fascinating to him how the the Pentecostal church, which believes in the gifts of the spirit and healing and the the miracles that the gifts are still for today and the the things nothing changed that dispensationalism was not real and nothing ever really changed and the Bible is still as it was at the beginning that we can still live as they did in the early church and so that people that believe in the experience of those things many of them adhere to this other doctrine that says at the end of times things will get worse and worse, and that says that there was a point when all the apostles died that it ceased to be that these gifts and things were, were available to the church. And so there is this, uh, it is kind of fascinating that anybody would adhere to a a. scheme of things that really negates you. And so, uh, sometimes I think, why is it that I don't feel highly positive about people who don't believe in women ministry? And I thought, well, I think because I would be adhering to a scheme of things that would negate me and a lot of other people, pastor and all kinds of things. So, um, anyway, so I want to talk about the last days and turn to Micah. Chapter 4 in your Bible, we're going to look at several scriptures, and you can write them down, look at them later, but I really want to encourage you to study this out a little bit. Uh, Micah 4, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read a good chunk of this. Well, maybe I'm not. Oh, I can't look at that clock. It says it's a quarter till 9. 9. A quarter till nine. I'm, we're already late. Oh no, it's nine in the morning. <laughs> in fifteen minutes, the spirit's gonna fall, and we're never gonna go home. Um, you know, I called the people in Rogersville today where the spirit has has been poured out, and uh, uh, though I was I was telling them that yesterday we prayed, and just. And our hearts were commemorating what God had done here in, in 1980 and, and, and telling them the high, one of the high points of the revival movement was that people made grudges right. And the ladies said, oh my gosh, that's what's happening here. A 34-year-old feud has been made right in in the church and so um that's pretty cool so the lord is moving it will come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and peoples plural (laughs) plural Oh, my gosh, no, not again. Peoples, plural, will flow into it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord out of Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. And so, um, I think I'll read the next piece, and then I'll go into the other verses. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. Sorry, ignore me if I hack or (coughs) cough. And those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant. And the outcast a strong nation, for the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and even forever. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, when people read this, they have their charts out, and they have this as being Israel. And in the prophet Isaiah, which is the gospel of Isaiah, this same verse, this same piece of scripture is in Isaiah chapter 2. If you want to jot this down and look at it later. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, it says the same thing. Scholars and teachers are arguing, trying to figure out who plagiarize (laughs) who and they finally have settled that Micah prophesied this first that this was probably originally the words of Micah and Isaiah is repeating what the word that's going around in town because they were contemporaries they were both prophesying in Jerusalem at the same time frame and so uh In Joel, chapter 2, well, first thing I want to point out, and we'll just go through these bit by bit, Isaiah, um, excuse me, Micah 4, 1, Isaiah 2, 2, in the latter days. And so, if you hold to the idea that in the last days things get worse and worse, this doesn't even make sense. And so, in the latter days. Now, i uh, like, well, you know, are we really in the last days? We know we're in the last days. How do we know we're in the last days? We know biblically we're in the last days. How do we know that? Paulette, what did you say? The Bible. The Bible. It does say so. Where does it say it? Uh, Acts. Where does it say it in Acts? The Spirit got poured out. Come on, guys. you got to get this stuff in your gut so you know what grounds you're standing on. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out and everybody's like, <laughs> And the people are going, Oh, God, these people are drunk. They're crazy. And so then Peter, with the 11 others, stood up. And Peter thought, I've got to explain this. And when he stood up to speak, the Spirit, through Peter, spoke out. Joel, chapter 2. I will in the last days pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And so Peter documented... He verified, Peter verified and documented by his explanation of what was happening on the day of Pentecost that we are living in the latter days. And we're a few hundred years into the latter days from the day that Peter stood up and said, In the last days. And so, I know we feel like we live in the worst God-awful time on the earth but we don't oh my goodness you think about what people used to do to each other they weren't as many of them and there was no news media but you know they would just cut each other up and eat each other i mean it was craziness and so you the world is not getting worse and worse the the things are not getting worse and worse and more and more and more horrendous what it's much better now than it was in acts chapter two Because the gospel has expanded and changed culture all over the world. Just think in Acts chapter 2, only like 120 people had actually held faithful and stayed there. So in Acts chapter 2, in the whole of the world, which there wasn't a ginormous bunch of people, but there was quite a few, there was only 120 Christians. 120 that waited there, and by the Spirit coming in, there was only 120 that were equipped and ready to just begin to become what God said He would do in Micah 4, 1 and Isaiah 2. And so 120 people received the Holy Spirit that day, the initial crowd. And so that set in motion something that would get better and better and better and better in the path of the just, like a shining light, shining more and more to a perfect day. That God is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there shall be no end. It's not His government will increase until all the apostles die. And then There won't be any more miracles or any more amazing things happening on earth or any gifts or anything like that until Jesus comes back again and pulls a bunch of people out, which who knows? he might? I don't know. I'm not saying anything about it. I'm just saying I'm not expecting to escape anything because I'm expecting I'm going to be here. When the increase of his government and peace keeps going more and more and more. And I'm expecting I'm going to be here not just sitting back in a gallery going, Yay, Jesus, I'm expecting I'm going to be out there. And my shadow is going to be healing people. Come on. We need to have expectation that we're going to be laboring with him in a wonderful thing. Because we are are now presently laboring with him in a wonderful thing. We're seeing answer to prayer. We're hearing answers to prayer. We're crying out to God over this region to send revival. And he has started doing some stuff in our region. And that is the best thing. That is so cool. Uh, so, here we go. Before he says this in Micah, yes, mother. You may do. I'm not going to hand you this microphone, though. This is a microphone, and I've never seen this before, but this is the word. Can y'all hear her talk loud, Pam? The Lord will mediate between people and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. He will mediate between people and settle disputes between strong nations far away. Well, let it be so, and let us be in the thick of it. Okay, so chapter 3, before he starts into this, chapter 3 is one of the most gloomy chapters of how awful it is for them. It's like, things are not going so great. It's real gloomy, and then he breaks into this, but this is what is ahead. So, uh, first of all, take note of the co- the term, the mountain of the Lord's house. How many of you all have a house that you live in? We have a house. We're all living in a house somewhere. We're not out in the yard, I don't think. Well, maybe some of us are. Uh, <laughs> we're in a house, right? Where is the mountain of your house? You know, we read things and we just get used to reading it and it doesn't click. that That's a very unusual term. The mountain of the Lord's house. So when he's saying that the Lord's house is going to be the highest thing, uh, the chief, the top, but he's saying the mountain of the Lord's house. So that is like, okay, here's the Lord's house. The mountain of the Lord's house. Now I want us to go... Um, Mountain in the Hebrew is mountain, of course, the word mountain I mean, how can you make a mountain a mountain? A mountain is not a molehill uh, <laughs> it's high high country, the high country uh the mountain is the high elevation it is conspicuously above, so there was in um in the time of the old testament there was the lord's house but then there was another high house conspicuous house a mountain house god had a mountain house he didn't just have a his house the temple house he had also had a mountain house do you got yes mother (laughs) did you (laughs) Pam goes, Mount Zion? He had a mountain house. Lord, are you saying you have a house in the mountains? He has a mountain house. So I want to talk about this a little bit. Just hang in there with me. I know you'll think I'm crazy, but you'll get hopefully get out past that point. <laughs> in the Old Testament, Mount Zion is a type of the church. And so, when we're looking at Mount Zion, it is a type of the church. And so, in in the book of Amos, the Lord says, who's also a minor prophet, uh, in the book of Amos, chapter nine, verse eleven, the Lord says, "This, I will." He's talking about at, at the end, at the last days, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. Well, people would look at that and say, well, that means that David's house was rebuilt when Christ came to his throne because David, uh, Jesus Christ was of the house of David, a house from which no priest ever came. He, he came out of the house of David, and the Lord is saying, I will rebuild this mountain house. I will rebuild this high house, this house that's up on a high elevated place. <coughs> and then acts fifteen, this is the reference in the book of Acts that you can look up to read along with Amos nine eleven. Acts fifteen says, verses five through twenty. They're trying to decide what in the world to do with the Gentile people. What's happening here? People are coming in that are not clean and not supposed to be here. Why are these people that aren't us here? How do they even know about us? What what is this? How what, how are we going to deal with it? We got to get. We have to get some rules for these. Wild, uncircumcised people. We've got to get some rules. And so when they're trying to figure out what to do, they go to this passage. When they're thinking about what, what's going on in the church at that point in time, they're referencing, referencing back to Amos 9-11. They're referencing back to the Lord saying, I will rebuild my mountain house. I will rebuild my place that was up really high. When something is in a mountain place, it's a noticeable thing. Um, probably one of my favorite sights on the Earth. Is chimney top mountain looking out from the Mariah apartment building it looks like a volcano it's a high mountain place and it kind of attracts and so what he says about this mountain house is that people's that's plural Will flow into it. Now, this is what we're about as the church. We are the mountain house. We are the mountain house. Jesus said, You are a city set on a hill. We are the mountain house. But what's so wonderful about the mountain house is that people, it's plural, and that is people groups, different peoples. Not, oh, we are a mountain house, and we're up here, and we're the militia, man. We're all just like we think, alike. we have the same ALR15s, and we're all waiting to defend our food in the last days when things get really bad. I promise you we're a mountain house that people are going to be flowing into, and people are going to be putting hope And what can't be seen yet because of what's happening in the mountain house. Oh, oh God. (laughs) I feel this kind of thing in my guts. Peoples will flow into it. First of all, I think we prayed about this at some point. We're carrying on about it. It's the fact that the house is up. You know, up. And people are going to be flowing the word flow in Hebrew is river. It's like river, but it's not just river. It's from a root word that means to sparkle. It's like a you know, a clean probably one of my favorite sites in the whole world. A clean stream, a clean brook like the waterfall over here when it's clear and clean and the light hits it. It's like diamonds on that water. It's sparkling. And so, this mountain house of God has a draw in it that causes things to flow against gravity. God has in his house the gifts of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, the drawing of the Holy Spirit that draws against the natural laws. God's work moves against natural laws. That's what wonders are and miracles are. It moves against natural laws. The stream is flowing up. I think the Mississippi flowed up one time after the ginormous earthquake at the beginning of like the 1900s or something. There was a huge earthquake, 18. You would know, wouldn't you? You would have heard about that as a boy. The 1812, the Mississippi flowed backwards. (coughs) He's from that area. So, the, that, but this is a working of the Spirit. that fascinates me to think about this. That this flowing of peoples, this flowing is a thing that is a sparkling, radiant thing. And that there is this drawing that causes things to go against the natural. And that is what revival is when god begins to move in revival and when the mountain of the lord's house his mountain house is built up and set in place and moving and working it has it's not just flowing stuff out it's pulling stuff in it's drawing in peoples it's bringing in things that are clear and they're moving against their own human nature they're moving against the natural. So that when God begins to move in revival, something happens and something gets kind of lifted up in a way, working of the Holy Spirit among a group of people, then people begin to start flowing into it. When I called the people in Rogersville, they said, you would not believe how many <laughs> people are calling us. People are calling from all over. And so they're, because the... The news of what was happening, what God was doing, got out. And so, what had been told. And so, they were saying, well, it's just that, like what happened to us, really, in 1980. People started repenting, and then people started getting saved. It just started that thing. And it was several churches, maybe four, that had been praying and and seeking God about it. And so... um, I'll tell you about it later, but I will, I will uh, keep my distance from you. Two two chairs away. <laughs> We're going to hold a two chair. D- I don't think I have anything catching, but uh, a two chair, uh, distance is what I'm doing to people. <laughs> Chris, I talked with Chris Corey this morning. He's having surgery on Friday, another surgery on his on his back because he lost feeling in his hand. And uh, we got up to leave, and I said, "Don't." Even, don't even shake my hand <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want you to to get close to me because uh, you're going to be in a precarious situation on Friday and you don't need to have a sniffle. He said, oh my gosh, can you imagine having your back fused and then having to sneeze? I'm like, uh, yeah, that would just be pretty horrendous. But sit with that a little while and think about that. About the fact that something gets lifted up in a way that people begin to flow with a clarity towards something against their own natural inclinations and against the natural law because to, to bring, uh, make things right and to lean into c- loving and caring and, and seeking God and, and those things is a working that is against human nature. You know, you may say, oh, I love to fast. Well, go be a Buddhist, man. I don't know that many people that, <laughs> that really, like, love to fast. Or, oh, I just love to fast. Oh, fast, fast, fast. Uh, normally, people get hungry when they fast, and they fast because they need to fast. And then, But when it's over, you're glad it's over. Anyway, it goes against the natural. It goes against the natural to seek God in prayer. It goes against your bo- your natural self. It goes against your body. It it does. I could, when the day they did the installation, I wanted to be kneeling at that chair. I got up there and I knelt down. I looked like a tub of lard on the pictures. I was like, "Oh, blood of Jesus," <laughs> and so I found out why why I looked like a tub of lard. But anyway. Hopefully, y'all see me be melting away. So I, uh, I wanted to kneel down. I got down there. And when I got down there, I realized, oh, my gosh, my hamstrings. I can't stand. I can't raise back up. The backs of my legs were like, you're going to die here. Your legs are going to fall off. But I love kneeling. My knees won't let me kneel anymore. And so I, was, I say to the Lord, I'm I'm on my knees. I say it with my mouth because my body won't do it. So he told me, made me know that it was as good to him if I just said to him, On my knees, I seek you. On my knees, I ask you. Uh, Whatever I can, not I love to stomp. I deeply injured my left knee about two months ago, stomping on Tuesday morning. I've done that twice this year. And I thought, you idiot why did you but it just it gets going and i just want to stomp uh in and worship like we'd be doing worship songs and i just want to stomp and go at it my body's like you're not stomping so now i just this past week i just said to the lord and some something there uh i got up and i started to go i stomped one foot i raised my other foot And then I said, oh, God, I'm stomping. But I didn't stomp. (laughs) But anyway, your body is not necessarily going to be flowing uphill, sparkling. It's the drawing of the Holy Spirit that causes you to go against nature and sparkle. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You cannot minimize or cannot you just can't say enough or think enough about it the drawing of your spirit we need your spirit draw us Lord as individuals draw us in prayer in our own prayer as we pray together and we pray together more and more draw us in our prayer that the drawing of the Spirit will be among us because as God does this work there will be this drawing that causes things to go against nature, and I think that's wonderful. In Hebrews chapter three, Hebrews three one through six. <clears throat> I need to turn to this. I didn't mark this place. Hebrews three, one through six. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the Apostle and High Priest of your confession, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Now Moses indeed was faithful in his house as a servant for a testimony of those things that would be spoken afterward, like in the New Testament. But Christ as a son over his own house. The next phrase. Whose house we are. Whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the firm hope to the end. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. And it will have a drawing that's in it that causes things to go against nature and sparkle with clarity and flow into it. And peoples will flow into it whose house you are. What Micah is prophesying, what Isaiah is prophesying, what Amos is prophesying is the building of the church, the body of Christ. Not the church building, the building of the real church. The people, the putting it together together. That is what they're speaking of. And that's whose house you are. Okay. Then next, 1 Peter chapter 2. i got to find Peter. It starts out James Peter because that's the only place James ever got his name mentioned in front of Peter. That's why the Lord put it in there that way. Because people always said Peter, James, and John. And so... Lord made it be that way, so at one point, Peter could get his name in front of James. Second Peter two five <coughs> no, first Peter two five, I lied. <coughs> first Peter two five. I'm going to start with verse 4. Coming to him, he's talking about Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. And you, as living stones, are being, what does it say? Built up. And you, as living stones, are being built up turn to someone next to you and say, like a good Assemblies of God person, we are being built up. (laughs) Um, Are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it says in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion. Zion is the height. Zion is what's typical of the church in the Old Testament. And he's saying, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone. God placed the church in the heights. He laid his cornerstone to be in the mountain house. I lay in Zion a precious a chief cornerstone. Elect precious. And he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. And so what this passage says in first Peter two, five through five and six, it says that we are. A house. We are this house. Living stones. Living stones set into this mountain house of God. What makes a stone a living stone? What would make a stone a living stone? What makes something living? Life. It's alive. Something's living if it is alive. So if we're living stones, we have to be those who've received the breath, received the spirit, been made alive by the spirit. And so what God is building into his real house is... Alive by the Spirit people. Peoples, humans. Humans made alive by the Spirit are the stones that are being placed in this building where the chief cornerstone holds the corner and makes everything plumb and straight. He put a chief cornerstone down, and then he began to fill other stones others with life and make them living and then they became living stones that could be placed in this house and so a person's not in the church because they say I'm in the church and I've I've joined the church joining the church does not make you a part of the house of God You can only be part of the house of God if you're a living stone. You have to be born again. You have to be alive. You have to have the life of God in you. The breath has to come into you. And so those are the ones that have the grace and the power to be. They may be called a remnant. They may be like... Uh, church within a church, wheel within a wheel, whatever you want to call it, like bride within the big body or whatever. People have all kinds of names for it. But it is that living, breathing, life ones that are the living stones that, are ma- that make up this house, that has in it this amazing draw, this power of the Spirit to cause things to go against nature. So... If you see someone who needs a miracle, say to your sweet self, in the house of God, in His mountain house, there is life that is so amazing that it makes things go against nature. It will cause bodies that won't be healed to be healed. It will cause things that are advancing to reverse, it will cause, I'll, I'll never forget that I, when I looked at Jimmy's toe, I told y'all about this, that Dr. Chatelaine had drawn a uh, a boundary with one of those little surgical sharpies. He They drew the boundary and said, now, you know what to do. If this purple crosses this boundary, you call immediately. And, you know, I had that event happened more than five times probably. So I knew how serious that was and what that meant. And I knew what kind of antibiotic he was taking. I knew he wasn't taking nearly any kind of antibiotic that would cause that thing to do anything other than just sit there and fester and move. And when, I don't know how many days it was, maybe two or whatever, three. I looked at that thing, there's the line, that infection had just retreated. That inflammation had just withdrawn, pulled back, went into reverse. It reversed, it went against the flow of things. That's the nature of the mountain house of God, the kingdom of God that we're in. We are a light in this world saying things don't always have to go the way that they naturally would go. You don't have to die in addiction. You don't have to die in hopelessness and, and grief. You don't. There's something that will flow against it. That will take you in a different direction. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will break addiction. So anyway, I don't want to start crying. Because man, that would complicate what I'm trying to do here with my throat. <laughs> um, so. I want to just kind of say. Yes, ma'am. I <laughs> can't yeah. get. It. She's yeah. supposed to right. Thank you, Lord. Being Lord, we just look to you. We pr- we've seen you reverse things that seem to be aggressively advancing. We've s- heard the stories and seen the things that seemed to be aggressively advancing, that went into reverse and retreated in. And Father, we pray right now for this lady. And we ask you, we agree with Lisa, and we ask you, Lord, to minister your life to her. Lord, you have made us by your Spirit, by the breath of your Spirit, not because of anything about us, but the breath of your Spirit and the moving of your Spirit, you've made us. To be living stones. And I pray we release life into this woman. I pray that there will be a life-giving flow. And I pray that over the days ahead, that hope will begin to come in her. That the hope, hope, uh, you, a living hope, a hope is not something that you can see yet. Hope, a hope will come into her of what is not yet seen. And cause a reversal. A reversal of this. That it will retreat within the boundary line. That it will retreat because of, make it go against the natural rules of it. I thank you for it, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you. Lord, we just say yes to you. We say yes to you to see ourselves, not as people that are waiting for the that world that's so scary to finally eat us up. And post our phone numbers on social media. We, <laughs> we just pray, Living God, that you will breathe into us the boldness and the confidence that is what you have given that mountain house that you created. When you said, I lifted up my house above all the other things, and I'll cause peoples to flow into it, and I'll make things go against the natural order of things. Father, thank you. I thank you, Lord, for what's happening in China. I thank you for that virus to retreat. I thank you for it to go backwards. I thank you, Father, for the Christians that are caring for the sick there and are t- reaching out and, and bringing things to them or putting things outside or outside their doors or whatever they're doing. Lord, we pray tonight for the church in China. We pray, Lord, that they will be the mountain house of the living God. We pray that everything about what, that you will anoint your believers your living stones that you will anoint them and that they will have something wonderful flowing into it against the nature of things I thank you, Lord. You can in one day reverse the order of something the devil has done. You can in one day say, okay, Christians, you don't need to be afraid here. You can, these other people need to be afraid. (laughs) The people that are covering all this up, they need to be afraid. Lord, we just thank you how you can reverse. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You know how to throw into reverse the devil's plans. You do. You do. And we thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we believe to see your goodness in the land of the living. We believe to see healings and salvations. We believe to see those that don't know you, that they will just come to know you and love you and be made alive by the Holy Spirit. We pray increase on this work in Rogersville and and on our friends that are involved in that. Lord, we pray that your life will be manifested. We pray, Lord, you'll give us grace to uphold them and cover them. Thank you, Lord, that you let us walk this path. And I thank you, Father, to let us bless these. And let us be partakers of your life, Lord. We're looking to you to revive your work in the midst of the years. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, wow, it's quarter to nine.